Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Waters Wavelength podcast. My name is Dan DeFrancesco. I'm the deputy editor of Sellside Technology, and I'm joined this time not by my typical co-host, Anthony Malikian, but instead, Amelia David, U.S. staff writer of Waters Technology and friend of the pod. Hi. So uh, just to give you guys a little bit, you know, behind the scenes aspect, I was supposed to be in sunny uh, <laughs> Boca Raton, uh, recording this with Anthony Malikian, who is down there, as we both were supposed to attend FIA Boca. Um, but if you are in the Northeast region, or really, I feel like anywhere besides like the West Coast, you probably were hit by uh, Stella. And Stella! Stella! <laughs> and uh, if so, you know that that basically put a stop to all travel. So, uh, you know, I was really just heading out there for the conference. Anthony had a bunch of meetings and whatnot. So he flew out Wednesday morning and is there busy, uh, you know, doing lots of stuff, which I'm sure we'll hear about next week. But in the meantime, you're stuck with me and you're stuck with Amelia. So uh, fortunately for all the listeners, we still had uh, some great content up on the site. And specifically, uh, Amelia attended a DTCC forum. She specifically wrote a piece about a a panel discussing uh, automation. So to start, Amelia, how about you give us kind of the 30,000 foot view of the story of what the panel was about? And then we can, uh, you know, talk a little bit more about the panel and then just the conference on yeah. at all. Yeah, sure. Um, basically, the the panel really was about um, automation, um, well, robotic process automation and um, where we are and why should people, um, uh, why should banks really take a look at the technology. And the consensus in the panel is that um, uh, robotic process automation. It should be a, um, a holistic type of technology for a company that if you were going to uh, um, automate something, it would be a good idea to automate all processes if possible. Um, they do admit that there are some processes that can't be automated, um, mainly so, you know, if you've been trying to automate that process for four to five years, uh, one of the panelists called it a super bug of the IT world. <laughs> the dreaded super bug. The dreaded super bug. So, but, um, you know, they suggested ways out of that kind of like conundrum. So the, basically the idea is that automation is good, and but if you were going to do it, look at what the value is for your company because it's so much better if it's a end-to-end solution so you don't really, they don't want it siloed in just like one process of the bank. Right. So I think, you know, and we talked about this before coming on and you certainly were cognizant of it. <laughs> the first thing to look at is the three people that are on the panel are three people that want this to happen, yes. right? You have somebody from the EY, oh, we can help you with the automation. You have someone with the from the DTCC, you know, oh, I'm you know part of the enterprise infrastructure, so certainly going to have mm-hmm. a business model there. And then someone from a vendor that deals with automation. So three people that have uh, skin in the game, so to speak, if more firms go towards automation. Now, that's not a knock on them. I think this, I think everything that they said is true. It would be, in an ideal world, it's great mm-hmm. to have end-to-end automation. We don't live in an ideal world. And I think this is kind of, you know, to get kind of more bigger picture, and I'm going to get on my Mount Pius and stand on my <laughs> soapbox, I think that this is the problem with a lot of technologists and a lot of talk about technology and innovation is that, well, you know, 
think about what the blockchain can do or think about what AI can do or think about what cloud can do. And yeah, those they can do all those things, but we live in a world where MIFID 2's deadline is less than a year <laughs> yes. away. We live in a world where Dodd-Frank is still being rolled out. We live in a world where compliance requirements take up the vast majority of technology's budget. So mm-hmm. from my view, and I know for, for just reading this, and I wasn't there, and you can kind of speak to this more so, I think that the key is having that interoperability when you build these automations. So you yes. pick you pick Project X. Okay, I know onboarding, right? That was one of the ones that they outlined right away that's a typically an automated process. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's taking up a bunch of your employees' times. There's a lot of manual process around onboarding, right? So you automate that process. You don't have the money. You don't have the infrastructure. You don't have the time to automate everything. But you create it. You build it in a modular way that then it can kind of connect with another, the next process. Yeah. And you go piece by piece. I think that is the answer to this automation problem. Yes, there's a bunch of data. Yes, it makes everything easier to automate it, but we don't have these guys don't have these men and women don't have the budget to do it. True, true. And it's interesting too cuz um I just actually like I got off the phone like not 30 minutes ago <laughs> with breaking news <laughs> with, with somebody he's a technology vendor um and um he he focuses mostly on the buy side. And I asked, um, but his offering is mostly, um, uh, it's a flexible solution. Basically, it's if the firm wants to, uh, to outsource everything, they will, they, they'll say, okay, we can do that for you. If they only want to outsource one piece, like say, I don't know, let's take or onboarding again, they could do that. So I asked him, like, um, why some people have told me, meaning the panel, that it sometimes it's better to have um, an end-to-end solution. That way, everything is everything is automated. Everything is, um, you know, in a digitized fashion. And he said, you know, that's what scares people when they hear the word. You have to do it on everything. And then they start getting all clingy to their, um, you know, their precious legacy machines. There's a finality to that. Yeah. And so they're like, we don't know why we have to do that. Like, why can't we ease on to to, to this new technology, this new way of thinking? So, I mean, I do, and I get it. Yeah, I think that's a realistic view of things, you know. Talking to technologists, you know, we get a lot of C-level guys and men and women at our panels and our conferences, and we talk to them afterwards at drinks. And, yeah, I think if you're a vendor and you sit down and say, we want to automate your entire process, (laughs) it's going to cost X amount of dollars. That's a big figure. That's a big project. That's a long timeline. And the C-level guy or woman is sitting there thinking, do I really want to commit all these resources to this? (laughs) Whereas if you say, listen, we're going to onboard your, we're going to uh, automate your onboarding process. That's going to be completely automated. It's going to ease up X amount of things. It's going to save you X yeah. amount of dollars. And if you like it, then we flush it over to this. And, you know, sure, I know what the person would say. Well, that's going to take much longer in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's going to be much more expensive. But what is what is finance all about? Finance is about risk, right? Risk yeah. and reward. And the risk of completely overhauling your entire infrastructure to automate it. Yeah, in, in the very long run, that might work out. But there's also a lot of risk and money being spent yeah. to that. So. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I do understand why there's a thought of, of having to to make it very holistic because it, it does kind of, 
if it's taking you so long to automate your processes and you still have process processes <laughs> i'm not know, the right person I know to this talk is my, uh, this has been a question for all week <laughs> what's this the plural of it but um it, it doesn't make sense if one piece isn't and then your automated piece can't talk to that right like, i get it i understand it but also it does take time and i think even though we've been at it for so long now, I think it's still it's still a very long. We still have a very long way to go until everything is fully automated in the bank process. Yeah. And and you bring it up, and it's fair to mention the counterpoint, which is exactly that. Which is, yeah, this. If you do take that route and you go kind of step by step and have it siloed, then you're not getting the full benefit of it you know it's yeah. it's you own a race car but you drive it just around your neighborhood or in your driveway <laughs> so you're not really letting it rip and that's kind of the the big bugaboo or the big issue with that uh what and this kind of speaking of that interoperability and whatnot i guess you know in talking to you that was kind of the, the larger theme of the conference yeah. at all so this was the dtcc fintech symposium so what what else you went to a few different panels what else was kind of the big themes and the big yeah, takeaway points. Um, so inter interoperability was a big thing. They started off the day with a blockchain panel, and of course, got to have blockchain. Got to have if, blockchain. You you're legally required if you have fintech <laughs> in the name of a panel or a conference. You have to talk about blockchain. Or just fin. Yeah, just fin. Yeah, just those three letters. <laughs> yeah. Um. And they had they had a couple of um, very interesting speakers. Um, some people of um, of which we also had on our. our um, conferences and the they were talking about how interoperability between different chains is really important and this has been something that has been talked about before but it it really means something if it keeps being i, I don't know like mentioned in a lot of these panels because their concern is what's the point of having disruptive technology if Oh, if say one per if one bank can't make a deal with another bank because one's working on Hyperledger and the other's on Ethereum and they don't work together, mm -hmm. like that's their big things. Like we need to have uh, some sort of interoperability mm -hmm. function to all of this, which is, which is which has yeah it really does make sense. So that's mm -hmm. um, one of their one of their big um, things. There was also a cloud panel. Interestingly enough, there was um, because that was the day after um, AWS crashed. Yes, the shutdown heard around the world. <laughs> yeah, but so the cloud panel was very interesting for that. They didn't talk about that, which I understand why <laughs> they didn't. It was a surprise that they. I, I was kind of um. Not surprised that they didn't. Yeah, but and you know they're talking about how cloud is now the new normal for um, for capital markets, which is interesting when you start the day with blockchain and you kind of end the day with cloud. It kind of like bookends the hey, the cloud used to be the big thing, and then the blockchain's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's you know the point you bring up about the blockchain. That's an issue that I feel like. You know, when we did the big blockchain three-part yeah. report, uh, you know, uh, Anthony, yourself, and I, when we worked on that, uh, when we also did, um, you know, even I feel like since blockchain started, that's been a big question, right? Is is there going to be, you know, I wrote an opinion piece, is there going to be one blockchain to rule them all, yeah. you know, or are we going to have a, uh, a bunch of different ones that kind of interoperate between each other? I think 
you know, the concern is that when kind of blockchain came into the mainstream and started picking up steam, you saw everybody and their brother was like, hey, I have a, I'm working on a chain. I'm working on a chain. I'm I have working a on a chain. I have a private chain. Yeah, here. I have a private chain. I have a public chain. I have this. I have that. And uh, the kind of thought was exactly to your point, we're going to have 5,000 chains. Everybody's going to yeah. be on their own chain. And what's the point? Like, what are, what are we doing? This is the same as just being on databases. Like, what the, you know, so I think where people are going to make a lot of money and the 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 innovation is going to come is with that interoperability is yeah. how are these going to link up link up how are these going to connect um you know and talking to folks so for this is a column i wrote a while ago i spoke to peter randall uh the ceo at uh settle you know the blockchain settlement and payments provider and he basically was like there's no way there's he called it there's no way that we're moving towards a pan galactic blockchain um he said that he, the way he compared it was pretty interesting was uh, phone providers, yeah. right? So you have AT&T, you have Verizon, right? Um, just because you're on a different phone provider, you can still talk to each other. Yeah. It's just a matter of kind of linking up. I think that's a good example of where things are going because I can't see just one blockchain yeah. kind of raising. I, I, I feel like now because blockchain is still in that, well, it, it's still in that let's see what we can use it mm -hmm. phase, I think once it's um, really matured more, I think that's when these different um, chains will start trying to work together to right like, merging, together. consolidating. Yeah. Well, it's going to be like anything. You're going to see it's something new, so everybody jumps in, and then you know the cream rises to the top, yeah. and slow and slowly but surely, people start kind of falling off, falling off, and you kind of get your your prime cut, right? The top providers. And then what happens with anything, if they have a monopoly on something for a while, then the new guys are going to come yeah. back in and say, we can do this better. And it's going to be ebb and flow. We see this with exchanges. We see this with I, I, trading I, I mean, it was the same thing when the internet started. Um, as you, you, you had different providers. You had different – it's just a matter of less, it's being developed right now. And right. I think, but I do think that it's correct if we start thinking about um, interoperability at the onset. So you know it's you know it's down the line instead of just thinking later on mm -hmm. when you already have a market leader because I think what's good with having multiple um, blockchain companies working on projects is that there is no market leader and it's clear that we're going to have some sort of um, function where they can cross. Right. later on it, it seems like that's really the path that we're going on yeah i think that's vitally important and that's something that every architecture working on the blockchain is considering that interoperability of how they're going to all kind of connect up but it's interesting you make a, you know a funny point about how you kind of have the old guard of cloud computing which used to be like yeah. the new new <laughs> and then you have blockchain which is the new new um and kind of the the crossing of uh, the, the the changing of the guard, so to speak. Uh, you know, before you know, we'll, we'll have to talk touch on the weather because everybody touched on the weather. Before we get to that, anything else from the the panels that stood out? Any interesting tidbits or anything? You yeah. Picked um, up? So the chairman of the OCC was there. Okay. It was interesting. Um, he 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 mainly really talked about how um, they wanted to work with with fintech companies because you know. The chartering of um, fintech companies as national banks—that mm -hmm. was a concern. But it, it was—he was mostly just talking about how even the regulators have to be innovators in this space because the world is changing, 
and which was which was an interesting point um I haven't written that story up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting. You know, we hear we're hearing that from everybody now. I was at uh, CEFCON a few months ago and heard uh, Commissioner CFTC Commissioner Giancarlo speak, and he said the same thing about. Oh, oh, oh. not just commissioner now. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He chairman, chairman. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Well, at the time he was technically <laughs> the commissioner, so whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, uh, you know, it's it's. It's an interesting point that you're hearing with all these, you know, regulars saying, yeah, we want to work with them, we want to work with them. I don't know. If I was a fintech, I'd be a little bit timid to hear, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're yeah, class. yeah, it's like that, you know, when the grandma kind of goes to give you the big hug and <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, oh I don't God. know, give me some space, give me some space, let me, you know, um, while I'm sure fintechs want to work with regulators and want to make sure they're compliant. I think they also like the aspect that they're not a big bank, they're not a big asset manager, and they have that freedom to be agile. That's kind of one of their big selling points. So the fact that uh, kind of early on in their development, regulators want to get their hands on them and yeah. get with them, I don't know if, if I'd be as keen. But, uh, you know, this is yeah. the world we're living in. So Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of what, um, what um, Thomas Curry of the OCC said were things that – He's already said before, but it was nice hearing it not from a press release. And that <laughs> he sounded like he was really earnest and that he really wanted to really work with fintechs. Yeah. But but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no. If they're like, yay, yeah. they're gonna get I, regulated. I know I'm sounding pessimistic. I I think I truly do think that the regulators in their heart of hearts have the right idea in wanting to work with these fintechs. They want to make sure that. Um, you know, they're not trying to completely stifle innovation. I think the issue is that they want to make sure that certain precautions are taken because a lot of these fintechs yeah. are dealing with a lot of important data and whatnot. And that's where, you know, whether you like it or not, you're going to be a little hamstrung if you know a regulator looking over your shoulder. But, you know, that's, like I said, that's the world we're living in now. Um, before we go, we should, you know, we'd have to, we have to talk nah. about the weather because everybody <laughs> talks about the weather. And you know, now you lived in, how long have you lived in New York for now? Um, About three and a half. Three and a half years. four years. Originally from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Had you ever seen snow before? I'm not great with geography, but I'm pretty sure the Philippines <laughs> doesn't get a lot of snow. We got a lot of rain and flooding. Lo- okay. Um, No, I think I saw flurries when I first went to the U.S. when I was 11. Okay. But. That was flurries. Right. I didn't know what it was, and I, I was inside because I thought it was pollen at first. <laughs> I was like, that looks suspiciously like giant pollen. I'm just not going to go outside, and it turns out to be a snow. <laughs> so what – I'm trying to think. So three years in New York. I went the, through the polar vortex. Well, yeah, the biggest storm, though, had to have been last year, right? Last yes. February. That was – I think that was the biggest storm the city's – ever had i think in like 100 years when it was what, 24 inches or something right something like from what i heard it was like a few months amount of snow in one day right so that was was that a, sh- a shock because you probably have touches of blizzards here and there but that was you know the city basically came to a standstill i i was surprised that they closed broadway yeah because that normally doesn't close um i was surprised that they also um closed the subways yeah yeah you think underground yeah because and- it's like huh that's weird well, because number one, that day I had, I, I bought tickets, like a two for one deal mm-hmm. for a Broadway show. So number one, the subways were closed first, so I had no way of getting to the theater. And also, 
I wasn't sure if an Uber was going to pick me up. I thought like the surge was going to be like yeah. 500,000%. And and then they closed. They're like they canceled all the shows, which was a bummer cuz you know, I kind of lost money on that. Yeah, that's but, yeah, but I was so surprised cuz I woke up in the morning and it's like, "Nah, this is this is fine. The subway's there. It's going to be hell going to the station." Right. But then they closed it. So <laughs> I was like, "Great, I'm stuck at home." And we had no provision like we Oh, amateur hour. You didn't no. get the bread and milk. We you didn't get the get bread the, and milk. You always got to get bread and milk. Or snacks. I always have to buy snacks during a, if I'm stuck at home. But like I think we only had wine, so that's all you need. So that's all we need. And my roommate, bless her, she made um, she made bread because we didn't have bread. Wow. And we were stuck at home. We yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And, and she and she cooked for us. So yeah. So have you? So now this time around, year number three, winter number three. Do were you ready for this storm? Did you kind of think like what were your thoughts going in, and how did you a- approach it? Well. For this, this the the storm that was passed, all I knew is that before I went home, I had to get chips, cause also because I was going to be working from home and not having chips by my side is sad, and also milk for milk cho- for hot chocolate. Oh, of course. We already had bread at home. <laughs> Do you when you make your hot chocolate? Is it? water you use water in the mix and then milk or do you use milk in the mix so i just do it the way my roommate does it like i just watch her because how she does it she she boil she kind of like heats the milk up first okay in in a in a pot and then she puts in the yeah we got this like starbucks hot chocolate from costco (laughs) and and then she just adds like a little couple of drops of like peppermint or peppermint flavor oh wow that's fancy yeah or sometimes rum. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it just you know the storm. It, it always cracks me up when people freak out. You know, I I grew up, you know, in upstate New York where we used to get a lot of snow. Yeah. And any hint on the news channel of a storm, the bread aisle would be gone. I mean, no bread, and the milk aisle would be gone. And I was actually so surprised that I went inside Dwayne Reed, and there was still lots of milk, and it's like, what is happening? Yeah. What's <laughs> But I think people were like, I think if I had gone to the grocery store, th- oh, I would have seen the line there. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was at the, I was at the grocery store on Sunday, 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 and it was mobbed, like <laughs> mobbed to the point where the line was, I, I go to a fairway on the Upper East Side and it was all the way around, all the way to the back and almost coming outside the store. So, you know. At the end of the day, it's not going to be the apocalypse. I know, you know, we were just talking about an apocalypse show. <laughs> it's not going to be the end of the world. We're going to be able to survive. You'll get your, your, uh, you know, I was your actually food. kind of disappointed this, well, this time around. It's kind of a let, oh, was, oh, this time around? You're saying with it this? It was sto- a letdown. It was. It was not as bad as I, I thought it was going to be. I mean, when was the, when, there was another storm before this one. That one was, well, it, it was equally horrible, but it was because it wasn't the rain and snow. So it was like it's prettier. Oh, when did we get snow? When did was we get it snow? February? Yeah, in February. Yeah, so February. Uh, yeah, it was like a. I, yes, I remember because I came in here 
Because I remember I came in here and you Tony and I did the here, podcast. Yeah, we did the podcast and I stayed home. Yeah, I remember that the subway was empty, which is that's the best part about is when you do go to work. You know, I, I didn't come in. I, nobody came in uh, on uh, on Tuesday. But when you do travel, decide to travel to go into work or whatnot. Well, people it's were empty. here in the office actually. On Tuesday. Yeah. Really. One Over of the writers for Risk was here. Over because he was asking me to go. Because I posted on Facebook that I was working at home, and he was like, come to the office, I'm alone. It's like, hell no, I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not, absolutely not. Well, hopefully that was the last of the of the season, and hopefully it's just uh, I'm so tired sunny, of it. sunny and, and warm weather. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so anything else to add? Um, no, just that I finished my emergency, so now I don't have water. <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll get you water. But uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and be sure to listen next Thursday.